a pox of a beer or a cold libation, I can tell you how I wrote this little thing. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him what you got. He said I'll start off with some talking and some movie clips and popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some groundless exploitation, kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxings, full month horror movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the box come on, contest and of course you know what's all about games. I said slow down, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety. Jason. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. For this System Sunday, I have a special guest with me today. I have Ray Otis from Plundergrounds. How are you doing today, Hello, Ray? hello. Yeah, I'm great. Awesome. Ray reached out to me, and we, we were talking about different noir games that we've read and noir movies, and, and I invited him to come on and talk about some of this stuff. So the first one we're going to talk about today, and then next week, Ray will be back to talk about a different game. But this week we're going to talk about Dirty Secret, or is it, yeah, it's just Dirty Secrets. It's not a. Um, so Dirty Secrets <laughs> is an interesting game in that there's, def- I, there's definitely more than one Dirty Secret. There, there is. Um, <laughs> it so the the full title is Dirty Secrets, a game about crime, and this is by Seth Ben Ezra. I'll have a link in the show notes where you, where you can pick it up, and I guess this is kind of out of the forge and i so i was never really into the forge or any of that mentality and this game you don't have to go back and read any of those forge theory essays or anything no no, this kind of comes out of that i think yeah i this was i was really into story games right around this time so 2007 is when this came out um so it's one of the first wave of the kind of storytelling indie productions um, don't hold that against it. It was it was very much like not part of any kind of political stance or anything. It was just a, it was just a really cool. It was one of the first noir like made for noir games I'd seen, honestly, where they just didn't take another system and and pin it into noir. This and this was this was part of the idea of some of the indie story games was genre emulation, right? Don't start with a system and convert it over. Start with what the genre tries to do and build a system for it. And that's what this is. Oh, 100%. And this this is a very interesting game because it, it's not a GM-less game. It's almost one-player, many-GM game, you, you know, you, which is neat. It solves that problem with so it, with fiction where there's a solo protagonist, right? And most noir fiction, you've got it's one person caught in the middle of it's an investigator is even not even the right word always. Like the movie we're going to talk about in combination with this, the main character isn't an investigator, mm-hmm. right? Um, right. But it's so I always think gumshoe, or whatever you want to call it, but it's a. Um, you know, it's one person blundering through a very difficult, caught in the middle of a, a, a you know, a, I don't, I'm going to cuss there, um, a uh, an S storm, let's right. <laughs> right, of of bad things. And so this one, this game, you have one player who is basically the investigator, and then everybody else plays the the extra characters, the the complications, the world, and those roles rotate. Um, and it's very much an emergent story game where 
it even has a um, almost like a board game like feel to it where there's um, a grid that you kind of push the narrative around and you won't necessarily know it's not a game where the GM comes to the table with a mystery and the player solves it. It's it's very much you develop this cast of characters and you move around figuring out clues and events and things until you pin it on somebody. Right. Um, it's it's very yeah. interesting. I'm going to include a, in the show notes, there's going to be a link to a review of this game that's on rpg.net and and this is a an older review but it but it's a really good review and it breaks down the game and talks about the the different components and how the game works and we're, we're just not going to get super in depth in today's show on this but no. go to that review and it does a great job of breaking the game down and it does and board game is a good way to say it, although it's not really a board game but by any means but it has components and, and certain strict things and and so it kind of, that kind of takes part of the GM, right? Where it helps guide the story and it keeps you in that noir set because you can only have certain kinds of crimes and you can only have certain kinds of scenes and, and it kind of sets it up really well. The one thing that's odd, the one reason I wasn't initially going to include this game, even though everybody talks about with noir, is they actually recommend setting it in your hometown yesterday. They, they actually yeah. recommend running it in modern day. But if you had people that were immersed in the forties and these movies and stuff, you could definitely run this running uh, something happened in the forties. You don't have to set it modern day, but absolutely. It's mostly character driven locations Mm -hmm. are just, you know, fictional set pieces. It's no big deal. Um, Yeah. I think that advice is interesting. The other thing I think is people miss on this a little bit uh, is there's an explicit instruction for everybody at the table that you can only ever represent things as the character sees them. So you can't show things that have you can show things that happened off, um, off screen only in like hindsight, right? But uh, most of the time, you're when you're explaining something to you, can never say what another character is thinking or what their intentions are, their motives. You only give the kind of surface level um, detail, and that's really cool because it leaves what it's doing is preserving the potential for anyone to be the criminal or for the mystery to go in any direction, right? Right, which is really great. There are some actual plays of this online so if you Mm -hmm. go to youtube and look dirty secret actual play there are some out there this is one of those games that you really i haven't played it i've only read it but it really seems like a game that would help to either join a group and play it with a group to learn the rules or at least if you and your group are going to try it after just reading the rules give it a second chance except that the first game is going to be a learning game where you're getting used to how the flow a hundred percent that's yeah. why I actually watching an actual play could be your sort of first game mm-hmm. in a way where you, but because it's probably reads more complicated than it actually is at the table. Um, so yeah, I, I think when you first, when you're first reading it, it's very different, I guess. So it mm-hmm. kind of throws you a little. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited to give this a shot at some point though. So dirty mm-hmm. secrets, really neat game. There'll be links to it in the show notes. There'll be links to things we've talked about in the show notes. But but if you're interested in a game that really helps you do the noir thing and the game mechanics are built to help you do it, I think this is one of the better games I've read. Again, just mm-hmm. from the from reading it without actually playing it. Now, you did a pairing for this game, almost like a wine and cheese, uh, where you picked out The Blue Dahlia, which is a movie I had not seen before. So I sat down and watched it, 1946, noir crime, 140 minutes, or hour and 40 minutes, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, great little film. Why did you pair these two together? Well, so originally, I so this month I'm trying to watch movies I haven't seen before and trying to watch some of the lesser known mm. ones. And, and this is one, of course, this has Alan Ladd and Veronica Lake. 
and they were one of the big pairings, even though they didn't really do that many movies together. But normally you think of like like Bogey and Bacall, right? And mm-hmm. and Lad and Lake are like another one of those big power. Co- well, we say couples. I mean, they weren't a, an item together. The two of them were never an item off scene, off stage. But in, in movies, they like to pair them together, probably because Alan Ladd's pretty short and Veronica Lake's like 4'11". So they actually, you know, oh, that's interesting. Like, I, knew, yeah. I knew I could tell that he was very petite, let's say. Yeah. I didn't realize that she was so small. She always is very she's so stately. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen her in things like I Married a Witch, and I just right. always imagined her to be taller, actually. So, yeah. Yeah, no, she's yeah, she's just a wee little thing. Um, hmm. But she she had a tough time. She never really fit into Hollywood, sadly. Um, mm. If you ever look into it, her her life story is a little bit sad. But uh, any, anyway, the reason I paired this movie, and I think this is a really interesting movie because in, in my latest, ep- the previous episode of my podcast, one of the callers mentioned the Hayes Code. And so I wanted to bring that up. And I talked about the Hayes Code a little bit. And the Hayes Code was basically the code Hollywood is following to show movies that were a little bit, you know, it's kind of like a moral code where you, you couldn't mm. show certain things. And this movie and all the noirs, really, the Hollywood noirs fell under the Hayes Code. And they had to really be creative in their storytelling to do things like affairs and, and say same sexually. Was this the um, was this the same age as the Comics Code or did the Comics Code come a little later? Um, I think it came a little bit later. I'd have to look when when exactly that. It's the same idea yeah. as the comics code, the exact same right. idea. Um, I, I'm not sure the timeline of this and, and the comics code, but it's the exact same idea. And now this movie, actually, the ending wasn't just affected by the Hayes Code, but it was also affected by the. So, so folks, we're gonna have to get we're gonna have to spoil the Blue Dow. Yeah, Let, let's um, let's back up first. I'll, yeah. I'll say this. I think that um, before we give any kind of spoilers, right. I mm-hmm. think that it was a great pairing because this movie has a number of twists and turns to make it um, less, it's harder to predict than you might think. Um, it, I, I, one thing that I thought was amazing was the, the pitch for the movie, like the first five minutes, it's, it's almost like a joke. Uh, three war buddies walk into a bar, right? Like, right. it's like <laughs> you start off in a bar, you've got um, the guy who played Ward Cleaver, Hugh Beaumont, um, mm-hmm. is there. He's one of the three buddies. Uh, William Bendix plays Buzz, who has been shell-shocked. Uh, he's got a metal plate in his head, and he can't stand like what he calls uh, monkey music. Is that what he calls it? Or yeah, it's, a little it's bit... just, but but it's pretty much any loud music, I think. Is any, kind of, any, kind yeah. of, any kind of music with a beat, yeah. right? Yeah. So you could see it as racist, but it's not necessarily set up that way. Um, and uh, he gets a little out of control and has some memory issues. And then you get the main character played by Alan Ladd. And the setup is that like the way they pitch it is uh, Buzz is saying that basically to the Alan Ladd character, who's named Johnny, um, and basically says, you know, like, oh, want to be great to get home to your wife and kid. I wish I had a family, blah, blah, blah. And you can see the, the Hugh Beaumont character is getting really uncomfortable. And it's, you know, that something isn't right. And they, they make a couple references They they let Buzz have his, because, you know, he's, he's just a big, uh, you know, they, they, they treat him with kid gloves because right. he needs it. Um, but it's, it was, un, it's, you can tell it's an unfortunate conversation for the Alan Lang character. And from there it gets, I mean, this movie starts out dark. Yeah. yeah right? and it's, it's probably pretty better rough. Off, yeah. It's probably better off just setting it up like that and have people go watch yeah. it. Because really, it is a great movie. There's some awesome. So the thing about this movie, one of the selling big selling points of this movie is this is written by Raymond Chandler, 
this is the uh, really the only screenplay where he had pretty much he pretty much had his own free will to do what he wanted to do. All the other mm-hmm. screen screenplays that Raymond Chandler did either had co-writers that they kind of overrode him or, or had producers that really made him change a lot of things. And he was forced to change something here. And we'll talk about that in spoilers. But for the most part, th- he was allowed free reign to do what he wanted. And I agree. Th- that comes through in the dialogue of this movie. It's just yeah. some there's some great, just great things in this movie, the dialogue and the setup. And yeah, yeah, no, it's it's really good. Um, let's do, uh, by the way, I think we can talk about it spoiler free and do that little bit after you're in music. That way people, because yeah. I, I really right. do think people should go watch the film before they hear us say that. Because mm-hmm. the I did, I watched the film before you told me this fact. And what you when you told me that, it made sense to me. But I was glad I didn't know it before I watched the movie. Right. So, yeah, let's, um, let's Alan wrap Ladd, up. Or, or go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I just want to say a, quick, a couple mm-hmm. of things about the actors. Alan Ladd, I knew from radio, from Box 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh, he has a great voice. So one thing you'll notice is he has a great voice. And, uh, you know, he's a good looking dude. And he's he's got a little bit of a screen presence. But he's kind of, I think you brought this up. He's not your favorite kind of noir character. Yeah, people probably, his most famous role anymore might be Shane, right? Right. That's probably right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And even then, I think he's, you know, he's belongs to a different era. Most pe- yeah. most modern moviegoers wouldn't know who he is. Um, you have to be 50 plus. And, and even then you have to kind of be interested in old movies. <laughs> right. Like, I'm sure my wife doesn't know who Alan Ladd is. Um, she might have heard the name. So, yeah, it was a great movie. Good actors. I don't know. I don't uh, visually really cool. I like black and white movies. You mentioned that some people don't. Um, the Blue Dahlia, it's kind of funny that the, the namesake thing is a color and you can't see that but the blue dye is both the name of a nightclub and a flower a variant mm-hmm. of flower that comes into play a little bit in the movie is kind of a a mood piece or whatever but yeah what is there anything you want to say about it before we wrap up and go to the post credit spoilers uh, yeah i don't think so this was hard to find for a long time now you can find it pretty easy mm-hmm. and and folks if you don't have if you have streaming services available to you where you live and and you do have availability of the criterion channel and even if you don't want to pay the here in the u.s it's like 11 dollars a month to have a criterion channel but they have a free period like a week free so you can not not trying to cheat them out of anything because you might subscribe Uh, to it for a week and then decide hey i love this i'm going to keep my subscription but mm -hmm. but there are ways to watch this movie like doing that like doing that free week trial i paid channel i paid four bucks on amazon prime worth well there you go so yeah and Mm -hmm. it's well worth it this is a pretty great Mm -hmm. movie Highly recommend it. It it is very well shot. We'll talk about one of the shots that I thought was super creative in the spoilers. But yeah, I there's a lot to sell this movie. There really is. It doesn't. Yeah, it's worth. All right, let's get let's do your in music and get to the spoilers. Sounds good. um, So, folks, that way, if anybody wants to watch it, can go out and watch it because you really should. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, both these are two thumbs up, folks. Dirty Secrets Mm -hmm. sounds like a great game. I think it would take a. A certain kind of group to play it but i think i definitely am interested to check it out i i have not so. played it myself but i've had some close friends who played it and they were kind of blown away and uh one of and the one of them was uh the guy's wife who doesn't play a lot of rpgs so i yeah i it's a i think it's got a lot of legs yeah and, and then the movie of course we i think we're both giving it two thumbs up as well for sure so mm-hmm. and the last thing i it, this is george marshall directed this I don't know. I, I don't think either of us mentioned that. Um, he's not very well known today. Um, but, you know, the other big thing that I think I know I've seen and, and probably I know you've seen 
but most people maybe have seen is How the West Was Won. Is he directed that? Mm. How the West. There's some great. There's some great character actors in this movie, by the way. Doris Dowling as the wife, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Howard Da Silva as the kind of sleazy nightclub owner. Not so sleazy though. In the end, you kind of get to like not like him, but you know the house detective George, played by George Marshall. Um, No, not played by George Marshall. No, no, not George Marshall. He's played by Will Wright. Uh, yeah, we're sorry, Will Wright. Yep. They look a little yep. bit alike, so I mm-hmm. got confused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, folks, buy the game, see the movie, and we'll see you. If you have already seen the movie, we'll see you after the ending ending theme song by TJ Drennan. And if you haven't, then watch the movie, then go listen to the end of the show. Joking about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I could see him dead. Bring on the glow, bring on the glow. There is a dustbin in your moil's body zipper And I'm assuming that's your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away Okay, time to talk spoilers. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, spoiler time. How do we start? Well, I'll, I'll just mention really quickly the scene I thought was so great here. Or mm-hmm. there, there are a number of great shots, but the shot I really liked is after they've kidnapped Alan Led's character and, they, and they've taken back to the cabin wherever he is, when he's laying on the floor and he's waking up, and you know, before yeah. he flips the table over on um, mm-hmm. the, the manager's foot, you, you know, and the camera's like behind his head. Is he's like on the? I, I thought it, that was it was almost Hitchcocky in there, right? Like yeah. it was, it was one of those kind of visual tricks that somebody thought got clever, and it was worth their. It was a good idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm glad they did it. No, the there's, whole there's thing with that few. foot was great too. Yeah. That know, was great. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, did you have a favorite character in this one? Oh well, yeah. I really, it has to be William Bendix. As as we buzz, I. I really thought mm-hmm. he did a good job. I mean, you, you know, it, it's a little bit hammy when you look at it today, when you think yep. about somebody that's, you know, post-traumatic stress or somebody has a traumatic brain injury. But, I, you know, for the acting of the time and, and what they were trying to get across, I, I didn't read it as making fun of it I didn't, or any of that. And, and, I, and I thought it was a great performance. I, I thought he just... He goes right up part. to the edge of hammy um, and maybe once, once in a while puts a toe over, but I thought it was pretty good too. I, mm-hmm. He did a great job and that was the one that impressed me. I actually think the Doris Dowling, the, the wife who's oh, been... Oh, yeah, yeah. Like you just, at the beginning, you think, why is she so nasty? Like you, you, you want to hate her mm-hmm. and then you sort of figure out, she, she, she has her own PTSD, yeah. right? Uh, essentially. And 
Yeah, she, it's she's really good. And she was very magnetic on screen, I felt like, even more so than Veronica Lake. Like mm-hmm. Veronica Lake, so in some movies, you can't keep your eyes off of her. She has a it's something about her, the dimensions of her face and everything that she's just mm-hmm. very interesting to look at. Uh, but I felt like Doris had that same, you know, and I also really enjoyed the Howard De Silva nightclub owner character, who's the yeah. you know, the the cuckolding um, you know, playboy or whatever, but he yeah, he came off better in the end than I expected him to. What well, we he did, guess, and he got yeah, that tragic yeah. <laughs> end, right? He where he, yeah. he, he you know, he yeah. wasn't even he, he was uh, yeah, at the end, he wasn't even going to try to take Johnny out. You know, he was just going to let it go. It's I, like. I, I was going to ask you if there's any characters you absolutely hated, but I think I know the answer to this. And I, you know, so your point that you shared with me was that the ending of this film was influenced by a a, a particular group. Um, well, it was influenced so by if, the Navy. The, yeah, the Navy by the Navy. Yeah, yeah they, I was going to hold off on that segment. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, no, no, you're good. Spoilers. So, yeah. It, yeah. So originally Buzz, the, you know, William Bendix, the character was going to be the killer. And you can tell that. And it makes sense. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, if, and at one point in the movie, they have they they drop that and make you think that's the case. But the Navy didn't want that, which is funny because just a few years later, we do, you know, there, there are other movies in the noir genre that have vets in there. That do have them be the killers. So, I, or the Navy won it. this battle; they lost others, you, or I they get didn't. It. You know, you know. So for me, yes, the movie would have been more satisfying had it ended slightly before it ended, right? Like if, it, yeah. if they'd have drawn the curtain on Buzz being the killer, that would have been uh, very uh, effective. Um, having said that, um, I, I get it. Maybe in the sense that, like, you don't have as he's not as sympathetic a character as you'd want to, to, to bring that message of PTSD. And maybe it's a little too simplistic that like, I, you know, the Navy didn't want people going around thinking like anybody who'd heard too many um, shells explode might kill, kill somebody because the music's too loud or, you know, it's, it's, it's um, I could see why they put the pressure on. I don't like that they did it, but I could see why. Well, and, and you have to think of the time frame too. This movie started shooting in March of 1945. Right. So we're still yeah. in the war. Right. Yeah. At the end of the war. But but we're still in the war. So it, it's kind of understandable because it's a very touchy subject. Yeah. Yeah. Very was. touchy. I mean, the guy who comes home and his wife's uh, probably sleeping with another guy and has has his family wrecked. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you got to think there were people sitting in the theater who were in this situation, basically. Right. It's that's it's rough. This would not have been a good movie for some people to see. Oh, a hundred percent. And yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So, and, and actually, so what's interesting here when, so, so the Navy said, we're not going to have this. And and so Chandler actually, <laughs> I don't know if you read the background with, with Chandler, mm-hmm. but so, so he, he kind of hit a writer's block, you know, when the Navy made him mm-hmm. change the ending, he hit a writer's mm-hmm. block and, and effectively Paramount offered him $5,000 incentive to finish the script. Cause they started this movie. He had the first part of the script written, but not, you know, when he had to rewrite it. And so mm. what he did is he said, well, I need to get a bender. And, and you know, Chandler's one of these famous drunks, like all, like a lot mm-hmm. of these guys are. And so Chandler went on this horrendous bender. And 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 when he came out of the bender, he did the <laughs> he actually wrote the ending of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's not the worst ending, but honestly, it might. It kind of feels like it crawled out of a bottle. Well, um, it kind of goes off the rails, yeah. really, when they have a little um, bit. 
when they have buzz shoot the match to light the match is kind of you're you're in there there with the police and you're here's the supposed murderer i'm gonna hand him the gun and here shoot mm-hmm. this match and it, <laughs> I, it, it, it's hard to I, it see was that a tense happen. moment i didn't mind that it was a tense moment i i think in the end so the guy i was gonna ask if there's a character you just hated so oh, is yeah. is there a character that you particularly just didn't like well, well I, mean, I mean obviously you're you're not gonna like dad you're not gonna like the house detective yep. right yeah, um, yeah. or pop i, I think and that's what he's pop, easy to hate him. they set yeah. him up to be a guy that you don't like and so in the end having him take the like you know be the killer it's right. a bit like it's so funny because it's it's not predictable that he well mm-hmm. it's two problems with it one it's too easy and two it doesn't make a lot of sense right what's his move have they they well they give it but they didn't set it up enough no. he's a he's a blackmailer and Basically, they try to make it like his pride has been hurt because he didn't get offered uh, money or enough money or whatever. But we clearly see earlier in the film he doesn't really have any pride. Right. <laughs> like, like he, 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 you know. So I don't know. That's a great actor, though. Will Wright. He does. Oh, yeah. um, he was in Andy Griffith a couple times as like a cr- crotchety old like mm-hmm. store owner, right? Um. Yeah, he was a great actor. I don't think he he was at fault. The script doesn't quite hang together. I mean, nah. it mostly does, but it doesn't quite hang together. The ending isn't super satisfying. I do appreciate that it's yet another twist, but yeah. And I, I so to bring it full circle, I would say mm-hmm. that this could happen in Dirty Secrets, like right. that, like that the the character you didn't expect the character to do it who actually did it, and then you have to kind of rationalize why they did it. And honestly. Is this not somewhat like real life? I mean, mm-hmm. so, sometimes the person we expect to do something bad doesn't, but the person who does something bad, you know, you it's like when you ask your teenager, what were you thinking? Oh, it's such a dumb question. They weren't thinking, right? And people go off for the weirdest reasons or the things build up and that they seem maybe small to you, but they but they're big to the person. I could see this this it kind of makes sense on some level, but not Hollywood sense. Right, exactly. And and I think for Dirty Secrets, although it's probably should be in the body of the show, but that's okay. The you know, for Dirty Secrets, I think it's actually great because it being a narrative game, this keeps somebody from you can put who you want on the crime board, right? You can yeah, and and so you kind of know who you're you set up who the suspects are, but you don't know which suspect is guilty of which crime if you have multiple crimes, right? You can almost which, root for them. You can almost root for a character to be guilty, but you can't yeah. You can't determine the game determines who's guilty, not you. Right. So it's it's very po- so you can't really narrate when even when you get down to the bottom, you can't narrate who the, you have to react to who's guilty and then mm-hmm. and That's then right. do it. So you can't. Yeah, it, I I think it's I'm not explaining it well, but I think it's a genius mechanic, and I think for the game, it's a, a very genius way to do a mystery in, in a game. Because you know those mysteries and laying out the clues is hard, but you don't have to do that in Dirty Secrets. That's it's the thing. closest to the fiction that yeah. I've read as a game, right? Now I don't have not played it. I can't say mm-hmm. it's the best noir game, but I think it's the one that's most driven by the tropes of the fiction. Yeah, I I I, I would agree with that. It, it's very interesting. Well, it, I think it. I don't know if it's the most driven. I I think it's the game. The mechanics reinforce the tropes of the fiction the most. Yeah, I think that's kind of the I same thing. Yeah. The same thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Ray, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I I look forward to talking to you next week when we. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. When we come back next week. So take care.